It's March 1 today, out of this year that has 366 days. So we're in this third month. We've gone through vision and values, and we've taken a look at these values and how things are uh, changing here and how the culture is going to change and, and what it's going to look like and how we're going to lean into God and lean out into the community, how we're going to build community here. We've looked at missions and how Lakeland Vineyard's giving to missions in both financially uh, and through action is reaching out into the community and making a difference. Um, and then what I want to ask you is, you know, are you still dreaming? Are you still leaning in? For some of you, you hit 2020 and you're like, dude, I'm reading the Bible every day. How's that going? I'm, you, you, these are rhetorical questions. Uh, you know, somebody's like, oh, not good. Um, but it, it, how is that going? And what I've, I've come to this realization is, you know, if you don't read the Bible, um, you won't read the Bible. It's a huge realization, all right? Uh, and if you want to, but you don't, you won't. It's real simple. Well, some days I don't feel like it. Well, some days I don't feel like getting out of bed, but I do. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you with that, that, that there's something in there, that, that in those pages, there's something. And again, it's not what we do on a day, it's what we do every day. And what I want to encourage you with this, the more that you read, the more you'll hunger for it, because you realize that the truth that is in the Bible is out, it outweighs any truth that you can know. And it's amazing. So I just encourage you, uh, lean into what God is doing in your life. Don't let your New Year's resolution fall because you just don't feel like it. All right? And so I just want I don't know who that was for, but you're welcome. All right? And so today we start this series, and it's called Growing Through Restraint, and how does that happen, why less is more. Um, and we're going to be going through and observing this time called Lent, all right? And uh, it has nothing to do with your belly button. And so here is the deal, though. The whole series came out of one sentence that was shared on a podcast, and it, and it was shared by a vineyard pastor by the name of Jared Boyd in Ohio. And he said uh, this, and this is a paraphrase, um, he said that we can grow actually through restraint. By restraining ourselves, we can actually grow. And I couldn't shake this thought, but, but it lines up with God's perfect reverse economy, right? So to give up freedom to do whatever we want, we actually find freedom as we come into a relationship and we trust in Christ. And so when we grow through restraint, it's saying that no, I'm going to give up my ability to do whatever I want. I'm going to come under the sonship or the daughtership of the Lord, and my life isn't mine anymore. And so that's what this whole series is about. It's based off of a sentence, but it's based off of this time called Lent. And I really want to go through and give you a brief explanation of Lent, because oftentimes when people hear Lent, they say, yo, isn't that a Catholic thing? Okay, so yes and no, all right? Um, there's an old creed called the Nicene Creed, all right? It's one of the creeds of our faith. 325 was the year, and actually out of that Nicene Council came the creed and came Lent. And so Lent is this. Somebody asked, you know, you might ask, well, is it biblical? Well, is, uh, do you find it in the Bible? Lent, no. 
I don't find Christmas trees in there either, nor do I find exchanging gifts. Okay, but here's the deal. Lent is biblical because this. It's what you do during Lent that is so biblical. It's fasting and praying and leaning into what God is doing in your life. That's what Lent is all about. It's a 46-day period, and it's actually 40 days because on Sundays, uh, you quote, take off, but it's not really taking off because Sundays are mini Easter's is what they're called. They're celebration of Jesus's resurrection, all right? And so during the weekdays, one might do this, uh, and it started on Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is based out of Esther, um, well, Esther and Daniel, uh, and also Jesus mentions it, that when we put on the burlap and the ashes to repent, all right, um, and that's what it's kind of based on. And so we see it throughout the Bible where ashes are involved, but it started on the 26th and it goes to Monday, Thursday, which is April 9th this year, all right? And that's the day before Good Friday. And so uh, historically, it's a time of introspection, self-examination, and repentance. And someone might choose uh, to fast during this time. All right, you might choose to fast food, not fast food. You might fast food, okay? Or you might fast social media. I saw a post the other day, which I thought was, it's a great meme. I think it's up there, Caden. Uh, it's fine, it's for Jesus. Gives up college for Lent. Okay, um, that's not okay. All right, so don't do that. Uh, but what are we doing when we do this? Of course, it, like every other time, we have to understand, well, are you like forcing us to do this? No, absolutely not. But here's what I would say. If you choose to do it, if you choose to give up something, here's what, it, here's what the deal with fasting is. It is not about you earning brownie points with Jesus and with God and the Holy Spirit and saying, hey, look at me. I'll be better now. Okay, uh, that's called works righteousness, all right, and that is not what we're after, all right? Fasting is not about getting approval from God. Let me just say this, the work of Christ is complete, okay? And so what is fasting about? Fasting is about leaning into what God is doing in your life. It is about saying, I am going to take a moment, I am going to take the space that I would normally do this, instead I'm going to spend in your presence. That's what fasting is about, all right? And so you're not earning brownie points. God is not going to love you more if you fast, all right? Uh, God will love you more if you do three meals instead of just one. No, it doesn't work like that. Right? It's a positioning of the heart. It's actually Lent is a time to focus your heart uh, on Jesus as we move towards Easter together, the resurrection of our Lord. And so um, that's Lent in a nutshell. Is that a good nutshell? Yeah. Oh, one other thing. Yeah, I forgot this. It's also a time to examine your own life and say, What's going on in me? What are the things that God needs to work on? What are the things, what's the sin that is overwhelming me? 
And then understanding this, that the sin that's overwhelming you did not overwhelm Jesus. It's defeated in Christ. You have victory through Christ. And so his grace affords us this relationship. And his love has brought us to a place where we can enter in to his presence. And so the question I would ask is this, why should you take time to reflect on your life, to fast and to pray? And I believe that in Matthew 6, Jesus, who is actually talking about fasting and praying in this, in this section of the Bible, he talks about giving to the needy, fasting and praying. I'd like to say this. Jesus says, when you fast, he doesn't say, hey guys, if you're going to, I would like you to. He says, when you fast, and then he gives instructions. But he says this, and I think it's so cool. In verse 28 and 29, he says this. And why, and he's talking here about um, money and possessions, but it's all part of this whole um, speech, which is amazing that he's giving, Sermon on the Mount. And it goes like this. It says, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies on the field of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Uh, look there. You can use contemplate. You can use observe you can use pause for a moment and actually look, all right? And so this morning uh, in worship, I loved it because it was pause for a moment and look. Pause for a moment, and I wonder how many times we afford ourselves those pauses in life to actually Look at what God is doing. He mentions Solomon in that, in that very sentence, and I wonder if Solomon would have paused and looked. Solomon was a great king, okay, uh, and he took over from his dad, David, and Solomon had all of this stuff and this excess. I mean, it was insane. He was so wise, but here's where Solomon fell short. He started to take things under his control. He stopped observing. He stopped contemplating the greatness of God, and he said, I got this. And so he got out of line with what God was wanting to do. And then Solomon, we see the fall of Solomon. He goes and he worships other gods. He begins really to worship his own image. And so we can fall into that same trap. I believe that if we stop and we observe, if we look and we examine and we contemplate, what we find is this, that God is overwhelmingly good. Overwhelmingly good. When we take space, when we take moments, when we create space to receive from the Holy Spirit, what happens is this, there's a perspective change that happens, right? And so uh, the psalmist in, in uh, Psalm 77, I love this because one of my near and dear friends a couple weeks ago pointed this out to me and another friend, and I just thought it was so good um, that I'm going to read the verses here. 
the psalmist, we talk about perspective change, right? And so here's the psalmist in, in 77. It says this, I cry out to you, God. Yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord all night long. I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds long ago. They are consistently or constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed all are your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joshua. And here's what it was. It was this. There was hopelessness in the psalmist. And then there was a moment of recognition. But then I recall. But then I recall all that you've done. Did you see this? I want you to recognize this. That he is not, the psalmist here is not denying his problems and his troubles Alternatively, he is changing his perspective. He is saying, he is practicing constraint. You can practice constraint. He's restraining his thoughts. He's saying, no, no, no. God has not turned his back on me. Let me remember, let me recall all that God has done. And so he shifts his eyes, he shifts his heart, and he begins to look, instead of at his troubles, he begins to look at the one who's in control. And in the middle of his troubles, he can realize that God is still in control. In the middle of the storm, we can recognize that God is there with us. The goodness of God is evident if we would just take a moment to look. It's there. So God is for you. He's not against you. He is here. He wants to move. He doesn't just want to move in this place. He wants to move where you are all the time. And so reflection, we see as proven by the psalmist, it's been important throughout time. And I believe in the time that we live in now, the importance of stillness and reflection is magnified. And it needs to be magnified. 
in a, in a culture that we live in, a culture of excess, everything must be where good is okay, but great should be the standard, where we find ourselves online all the time, all right, where we find that if we fail, it means you're a failure, that we, that we misinterpret uh, happiness and joy. We, we put them in the same kind of stream that if I'm happy, then I'll be joyful, and that is not true. Happiness is momentary. Joy is forever. And so if we see uh, whether we, we want to gather all these things, the more that you gather, the more likes you have, the more followers you have, the more influence you have, the more money you have, the more important than you are. And that is a facade. And it's excess Everywhere you go, why do we have a burger that has four patties on it? I don't know. It's excess. And if we just took that, you know, I'm not saying that the burger is the problem with America, okay? I had a good burger the other day, and it had two patties. It was excessive. It was, okay? I'm just up here confessing, right? And so... But we are excessive, and we live in a culture that is excessive. But when this becomes your mindset, when you begin to let others form you, and believe me, when you are doing this, when likes push you, when followers push you to give you self-value, you are being formed by the approval of other people. When people's opinion outrank what God says about you, that you are wonderfully made, that He knows you and He knit you together. I believe it's Psalm 137, something. Look it up. <laughs> I believe it's 137, though. And so he's, he's put you together. He's knit you together. When it says this, I'm busy. I'm just too busy. It rolls off of our tongue as if it is a verbal badge of honor. To be, now I don't really have anything going on. What? Are you lazy? What are you doing with your life? We look at people who aren't running around like chickens with their head cut off as if they are hippies. But there's a secret part of us that is completely jealous that they've found space to actually do nothing. And so laziness or rest does not reflect laziness. Rest reflects wisdom. And the vast majority of Western society, including you and I, are online. And our online experience, guess what? If you don't believe it, and this is not about to be Conspiracy Theory 101, your online experience is curated. Man, that's really weird that I was looking this up online, and now I'm scrolling through Instagram, and there's an ad for it right here. That's strange. How did that happen? Dude, if you think it's fake, it's for real. Okay? I had some friends that were talking about Heineken Light. What? Okay, Heineken light, I mean, how obscure is that? Then they go home on their Instagram feed the next morning was a Heineken light ad. Who? 
Okay, let me tell you a story. There's your searches. Uh, Alexa only listens when you say, hey, Alexa. Um, and so, it not, but if you go and go through the search history, that you'll know that that is not true. And so, uh, these things are put into intense algorithms. And here's what it is. They are meant to curate your life. I love this idea. It's, uh, Dallas Willard wrote about it, um, that the snake didn't come to Eve with a stick and say, hey, do this. He came to her with an idea. Uh, Satan didn't come to Jesus in the wilderness with a stick and said, you will do this. He said, are you the son of God? If you are the Son of God, an idea. And I want to tell you this morning that when Satan comes to you and says, are you really saved? Is Jesus really the Messiah? Does your life really matter? The answer is overwhelmingly yes, yes, yes. But we have to know this. Right? We have to spend time in His presence. We have to know. We have to get away from the mouth-open, drooling, mind-numbing activities that take us out of being present with anybody. Guilty. Okay? If you have a problem, I'm just going to address phones in here. If you have a problem with phones and electronic devices, you know what you can do? Put them away. Well, what if I miss a call? Turn the ringer up as loud as it goes. You, you cannot miss that, okay? But go put it away and be present. Be present. And it will begin, and I'm not saying it's just going to change your life overnight. Here's what I'm saying is we want to be connected. We want to be connected with Jesus. We want to be connected with people. We want to build community, and we can't do that when we're disconnected. So don't panic, don't run for the hills, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying there's conspiracy theory that's going on and all this stuff, I'm just saying this, that Jesus wants all of you. And in his presence, we're changed, and what we can find is in a culture of excess, we can find that comfort brings stagnation. Oftentimes when we're comfortable, we don't grow, but it's when we're stretched that we grow. You know, Jesus says uh, in, in Matthew 16, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he says, take up your cross. What does it benefit your soul if you, if, you, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Take up your cross and follow me. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's an absolute cost to following Jesus. And, and as we grow through restraint and as we continue this series, here's what I want to say to you is this. We're going to talk about some things that are, that are on the forefront of culture. We're going to talk about uh, next week, sex, the overarching umbrella of, of what is sex? Why is our culture over-centralized? What is that? And how is that robbing us of what God is doing? We're going to talk about time, we're going to talk about money, fear and anxiety. These are the things that are on the forefront of 
our culture and the concerns that we have. Isn't it amazing that we have so much in America, yet we are so unhappy? Isn't that crazy to think about? We have so much. And I just want to encourage you, like the psalmist did, reflect. But then I recall. I want to encourage you with this that I believe that there's, there's power in the presence of God. And I believe that He's here this morning, and I believe that He's bringing transformation in people's lives. It's the only thing. The presence of God is the only thing that will change our lives because it's the only thing that has an internal, eternal impact. There's a, I, w- I encourage you to read later because we're going to stop here because I want to pray. Read later John 15. I want you to read, if you will, read the whole thing. And I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. Is this. John, sorry, John 15. Is that what I said? Okay, I thought I said 13. John 15, you can read 13 as a bonus. Uh, 15 says this, you know, I'm the true vine. And here's the synopsis. You need to be a part of what I'm doing if you want to see growth. Because outside of me, there is no growth. And I'm going to introduce over the next couple weeks this concept of where we're at as a society, which I've just learned recently, and it is so amazing, is this. Our society is seeking the kingdom, but does not want the king. It wants progress, but it doesn't want presence. And so those are not my own. Okay, because if I was that smart, I'd be, I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably be right here. But look, here's the deal. I'm telling you, man, it is pressing right now that we know where we're at. It's just so important. And it's not about panic because we know the King of Kings. And so what I want to do is this. If it's you, if you're saying, God, I need you. I need you. I, I, know, I know of you. Or maybe you're saying, I don't even know you. I need you. I want to trust in you, Jesus. Because here's what I want to say. I want to stop using the language. We want to invite you to believe in Jesus. Satan believes in Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want, you to, I want to invite you to trust in Jesus. And through that is, is a surrender that takes place. That we have to say, my life is not my own. So like Jesus said there, you have to give up. You have to follow me. You have to give up your life to follow me. He says, again, in in that John passage, you know, he's inviting us to love one another. He's inviting us to love him. He's inviting us to trust and abide in him. And so I just want us to stand this morning And I want to invite you to trust in Jesus. And here's what I want to do this morning is if, you know, if you've never said, yeah, I, that's me, I never have said, you know, I cannot recall a day or time when I said, Jesus, I want to trust in you, I want my life to be yours, then here's what I want you to do, I just want you to raise your hand. 
This is, this is good news here. And bad news at the same time. Go ahead and open your eyes. It's cool. So I want us to see this. I want us to see this. And it's not guilt. It's not condemnation. There's no one raising their hand. Guys, we need to invite people that don't know Jesus. We're going to make a space, every service, for people to know and trust in Jesus. And here's the next thing I want to do is this. I want to pray and have you prayed for this morning, if you need prayer, about anything. We're going to get into a habit of prayer here at Lakeland Vineyard. All right? And so it might be weird to you. Well, I don't know. I, need to, I got a little hangnail. Okay, we're going to pray for you. Doesn't mean we're going to come make you a spectacle, or you're going to come be a spectacle. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to get prayed for. You might be going through the toughest time of your life right now. Here's what I encourage you. Don't walk through the toughest time of your life alone. We're a community, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then there's going to be some people up here that are going to be right up here, all right? (coughs) Dan and Katie, you guys are going to be at the sound booth, okay? Is that cool? Go ahead and head that way. So as you're walking out, if you're like, man, that's a long walk up front, and they have those bright lights. I ain't going up there, okay? There will be people back there that will pray for you. You say amen? Amen. Yeah, so Chuck and Lee, they're going to be up here, uh, and they'll be in the bright light section. No, they'll be right over here, okay? But what I want to encourage you with is this. Don't leave without getting prayer. Well, it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Dude, God will meet you here. You're a big deal to God. And so I want to pray with you this morning. Father, we pray that over these next days of Lent, where we we might choose to say, you know what, I am going to give something up, not to earn your Uh, not to earn salvation, but to just lean in and to trust you more, God. And I pray for strength during this time. As we lean into you, as we uh, expect that you are going to move, that you're going to have your way, God, I pray this morning that you would come and do just that in people's lives, that you would begin to bring transformation like we've never seen before, that you would help us, that we would know that it's not just about a Sunday morning service, it's about serving you where we are as we leave this place. And so, God, I pray that you would empower us and that you would give us boldness to speak the truth of the gospel, that we don't have to be hostile, but we can come in love because we, in, we abide in you. And in your presence, we're made whole, God. And as we recall the things that you've done, we see that you are overwhelmingly good. And so we thank you for that. So God, Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in this place. And do what only you can do, Jesus.